Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you and thank you for joining us. This message is from our 2021 summer camp. We hope it leaves you encouraged for this upcoming season. Thank you for joining us. Man, I'm, I'm just so honored again to, to be here with you guys. And um, it's uh, last night was amazing. And thank you to those of you who shared your testimony. Honestly, I think that was like the highlight of the night is hearing some of those stories. It's just so cool about what God's done in this place. This, this upper room space, because I was here, I, I was talking to Shane about it. it was, I think it was over 10 years ago was the last time I was in this room. Um, pastor Chris was the youth pastor. So however long ago that was, but, uh, it, it was a long time. You're like, you're ancient, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yes, um, it was a long time ago, but just, just, man, if these walls could talk like the stories of just lives, hundreds and thousands of lives that, um, have been changed in the, in these, in this room right here, this upper room experience. And so I'm excited for all of you. It's your first time at camp. You've never been here before to be a part of this journey with us. And, um, again, God started to do some amazing things last night, talking about waiting by a pool and Jesus being living water that comes on the inside of us. And I'm just believing for even more today. You believe that? Yes. Amen. We're going to go, we're going to go old Testament on you this morning. Okay. We're going to go in the OT if you're okay with that. Um, but how many know you can, you can find Jesus is throughout the whole Bible. Jesus isn't just in the new Testament. He be, we see the themes and the power of Jesus everywhere in the Bible. And so we're going to go Exodus chapter 17. And, uh, if you're newer to the Bible, no shame. Genesis is the first book. Exodus is the second book. Just go back to the beginning and act like, you know, where you're going and you'll find it, you know? And so, um, don't you hate it when a preacher preaches from like one of the minor prophets, like somewhere in the middle, like go to Habakkuk. You're like, what did he just say? That sounds like a disease, you know? Um, and you're trying to find it forever. You got to use the table of contents. And again, you're being shamed by those morning, early morning risers and that also know their Bible so well because they read their Bible every morning early. All right. Exodus chapter 17. I just want to read a story about a, a battle that ensues because I did wake up this morning, um, not early, but well, early for some of you at 830, but just started praying and, and feeling like um, the tension that some of us are feeling today of just being in the midst of a kind of an in-between season in life, college age, young adult age, whether you're 18, 19, 20, in your mid-20s somewhere, for a lot of us, it can be kind of that in-between season. You're not where you used to be. You're like, ah, oh, high school, so over that, right? But you're not maybe where you want to be yet. And you've got dreams for your future and vision and hopes for your future, which is amazing, right? But that in-between season, you can feel the tension oftentimes of kind of who am I, where am I going, what's going on? Oh my gosh, life is changing quickly. Um, and there's a lot of feelings like you're, you're in the midst of a fight. You're fighting to just kind of stay on track fighting to just kind of stay focused, fighting to just kind of stay in your, in your lane and be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so I want to title today's message, Fight Right, Fight Right, okay? Because the reality is, is that we're all 
uh, in a fight. In fact, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. There's a good fight that we're in. And there's a good fight that we're in because we don't fight alone. And, 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 and no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And ultimately, the battle belongs to the Lord. And so there's somebody who fights for you. He's the friend that sticks closer to the brother. And any fight that you're in when Jesus is on your side, man, it's going to be better outcome than any Floyd Mayweather fight. This thing is, is beyond fixed. It's done. It is finished. And God is for you. So who can stand against you? Amen. So in Exodus 17, we see a battle that ensues. In verse 8, it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Again, I want to title this morning's talk, Fight Right. Um, And will you just pray with me one more time? Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. God, we thank you that you are moving in our hearts, in our lives. And I ask you again just to speak to us today and uh, change us from the inside out. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. So Israel comes up with this fight against Amalek. And I just want to real quickly, the, the, the Amalekites, Amalek in the original Hebrew language, one of the definitions of Amalek means dweller in the valley, dweller in the valley. This enemy called Amalek represents the enemy in your life and mine that wants to keep you down wants you to dwell in a valley. The reality is we all go through valleys. We go through mountaintop seasons and valley seasons, right? David, the famous psalmist in Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm of all of them, said, yea, though I walk through the the valley, right? So he didn't say, yea, though I camp out in the valley. Yea, though I, I build a house in the middle of the valley. Because we weren't meant to dwell in valleys, but we were meant to walk through valleys. In fact, valleys are not something we should resist and reject. We can actually learn and grow through valley seasons. That's kind of another sermon for another day. But valleys, oftentimes we're like, I got to stay away from the valley. Well, you can't just live life on the mountaintop. You're never going to grow. God's never going to grow you, strengthen you, and show you what he wants to show you. We got to go somewhere with Jesus. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear anything because he's with us in those valleys. But Amalek means dweller in the valley. So that, that, this represents the enemy that wants you to just set up shop like, cool, this is your new location. This is where your GPS coordinates are. You are going to live in this valley for the rest of your life. If you're going through a valley right now, you need to know that you are not going to be in this valley for the rest of your life. You are just passing through. You're just visiting. You're just a tourist. And Jesus is helping you through this and you're checking things out and you're like, this is a little bit rough. This is a little bit awkward, but guess what? You're not going to camp out in the valley. That's not where you were meant to live. Your destiny is not in that valley. 
Amen. But there's an enemy that wants you to, he's, a dwell, he's the dwellers in the valley. So this enemy comes against Israel, which is a type and a shadow of the church, me and you, to cause you to think this is where you're supposed to be, in a discouraged place, in a struggling place, in a low place, in a depressed place. Let me just keep you in this valley. And the reality is that when we're going through difficult times, how many know trials and challenges and storms of life are unexpected, right? You didn't, you didn't wake up this morning and be like, okay, another day. What storm is going to hit me today? I'm so excited. Here we go. You know, nobody like expects, or maybe if you do have that mindset, we will pray for you. Okay. Maybe I'm realizing maybe there are some people that do think that like everything goes wrong in life. Here we go. Another day. No, the reality is that God has a purpose in all things, but there are unexpected trials and challenges that we all face, right? There's things that happen. You didn't expect it when you lost your job. You didn't expect it when your boyfriend dumped you. You didn't expect it when you flunked out of that course, you know, in college. You didn't expect it when, you know, all of a sudden you blew a flat tire and you were already running late to work or you had car problems. Oh my God, car problems are the worst. Does somebody need somebody to lay hands on their car right now in Jesus' name? We need a miracle in some cars in Jesus' name. Oh my gosh, I've got car stories for centuries. And so... We, we don't expect those things, right? And I just want to share just a, a dumb but kind of funny story because this happened at a camp several years ago. I've been doing camps forever. Shane, how, I mean, we've been doing camps, man, our whole life, right? Me and Shane, we're 80 years old now. We've been doing camps for years and years and years. We look good for 80, right? No Botox, right? Let's go, Shane. Come on, me and you, man. We're in this together. And so... Um, but I was at a talk about unexpected thing that happened in my life. I was, I was speaking for uh, one of my heroes, a guy named Pastor Jude Fuquay. And I don't know if any of you guys would know that name. Some of you know who Pastor Jude is. Oh my gosh, I love him so much. And he married me and my wife 21 years ago. Um, and he's just been a hero. I'm speaking at his youth camp uh, in Ventura, California, a few years back. And I preached the first couple nights and on the third night, and I thought about this story because it's actually what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be helping with worship apparently tonight and singing a little bit. So here we go and just dust off the guitar and we're just going to sing a little bit and hope for the best. But um, uh, on the third night of this camp with Pastor Jude, he said, hey, I had another speaker, Robert Madu was coming in. He said, we got somebody else preaching this night. Will you lead worship tonight for the students? I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. And this was years ago, and there was a song that had just come out by Hillsong, and the song was entitled Running, okay? And for those of you who've been listening to church music your whole life, it's okay if you don't know this one, but it's like, we are running. And the whole camp would do these running motions. We would run to one side of the room. No, this really happened. We're in a room like this, but it wasn't as well ventilated as this. It was like a sweat box, you know, that just smelled like B.O. and Doritos, you know, like camp does. And so we uh, run, anybody run to this side. And then, and then we uh, run it, and we'd run to this side. And this really happened. This is what we used to do. These motions, bring it back, baby, no. And so we're running in the midst of this, this song, and I'm leading, I'm, I'm leading, and I'm just having a good time. But this particular space that we were in, it was not carpeted. It was like a, that stained concrete type vibe, you know? So it was just like this concrete box, you know? And so we're running, I'm leading worship, and I'm just like connecting with the people right here. I'm running, but I'm just with, I'm dialed into the moment, you know? Just here we go. I'm running, running. And Little did I know, while we were running in the midst of the song, one of the BGVs, that's background vocalists, ladies and gentlemen, one of the background vocalists accidentally knocked over their Kirkland Signature bottle of water 
onto the stage. Now, again, this is not carpet that soaks up the water, but this was a stained concrete. So now we've got a puddle that is forming over here, but I am just anointed for this moment and in the zone, and we are running. And I'm just leading everybody running like this, and I'm not paying attention to where I'm running. I'm just, I'm locked in with the people because I'm leading. And, and so I run, and I come over, and I hit this puddle of water that I didn't know was there. It wasn't there a moment ago. And as I hit this puddle of water, I am falling. And I... It happened so quick. I, but, but in my mind, it happened in slow motion because... My leg not only slipped, but where my weight was distributed was not correct because my leg went this way and my knee was like, where are we going? (laughs) And so this kneecap was like, huh, I've never seen what life is like on the outside of your leg. Let's go over here and check it out because this is where your body's going. Let's go this way. So my kneecap went and popped to the outside of my leg. So I was falling, and as I fell, I dislocated my kneecap. I found out later in the emergency room that I ripped my MCL, my medial collateral ligament, ripped off its base. True story. By the way, MCL tears, this is what you hear about with soccer players, football players. Well, now you've heard it with worship leading, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, I will be leading with a helmet and knee pads because worship leading is more dangerous than people realize. Well, the problem was that as I was singing, I was singing, I still had the microphone in my hand while I was falling, and then and my kneecap was dislocating. We're dislocating. And as it was dislocating, um, it just, it felt like, I don't know, a thousand daggers in my knee. I don't know how to describe the pain. It felt like Satan was like dropping a bomb on my leg. And you just don't know what you're going to say in an unexpected moment with a microphone in your hand with a bunch of church kids in a room. And so I went from running to falling, dislocating and cussing. And I shouted a word that should never be shouted in a church room context. Don't judge me. You dislocate your knee with a microphone in your hand and see what comes out of your mouth. Well, out of the abundance in the heart, the mouth. Oh, you shut up, okay? It was in there somewhere, reserved for that moment. There was abundance, all right. And so you're like, what you? What did you shout? What word was it? So I know some of you are like, which word was it? Which one? Was it the word? Was it like a compound word? Was there like, you know? No, I'm not going to tell you what word it was. Sugar, honey, iced tea. Yeah, so it just, I, um, so I shouted that word, but I'm on the ground, and that some of the students later were like, well, when you went down, we thought you were like starting to break dance, which that was the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, no. And they're like, and then we heard that word you shouted and thought, maybe he's not break dancing. <laughs> maybe he's breaking his body. So true story, I'm at the camp, like the worship team, we're in full, like this is a fast song, we are running boom, chuck, boom, chuck, boom, chuck, boom, you know, and like the whole band's like, what do we do, you know, and so 
I remember I'm on the ground, like, screaming in pain, but I'm like, keep going. You know, I'm trying to get the team to keep going. <laughs> so they keep playing music. And then, like, three of these big guys came from the back and picked me up. I mean, imagine this. The music's still going. And they're picking up the guest speaker worship leader who just cussed really loudly on the microphone. And they're escorting me out. Went to the emergency room and uh, tore my MCL. I come back to the camp the next day, and I'm on full, I mean, full crutches, Shane. I've got a full leg brace now down my, this is a legit MCL tear, like this is not good. And I get to the camp, and all the students come running out to the camp, and they're like, oh my gosh, you're back, you're back. And I'm like, yes, I'm back. And I thought they were coming to encourage me and be like, we prayed all night for you, pastor. You know, How, how's your knee? We're believing for the healing of the Lord, you know? And like, why am I doing this voice and this character? There, it was a lot younger camp, you know? They weren't through puberty yet, and so... Um, but no, instead they come out to the car and the first thing they say is they're like, oh my gosh, Pastor Elijah, do you remember what you shouted? <laughs> I'm like, no, remind me. They're like, we can't say it. We can't say it. <laughs> we can't say it. And I was never invited back to that camp again. But um, it's, uh, what's funny is I ended up preaching one more time that night, but I was on, I was on pain meds, Shane. Like the good pain meds. <laughs> Don't quote me on that, okay? Say no to drugs unless you've dislocated your kneecap, then say yes to some drugs. But I don't have a clue what I said, but I heard the sermon was really good. Um, but things in life happen unexpectedly. Trials happen unexpectedly. Slips and falls happen unexpectedly. You didn't, I didn't wake up that morning and be like, I think today I'm probably gonna break my knee. Like, you don't, you don't expect these things. And the Bible talks about it in James chapter one, verse two. In fact, it says, count it all joy, brethren and sistren, <laughs> right? <laughs> count it all joy when you fall into various trials, because that's what it is. You don't just like walk into a trial, like I'm going to run into it. You kind of fall into a trial. It's kind of this falling, oh, I slipped and fell on stage. I wasn't expecting that. No, because that's how trials and challenges and storms of life happen, is they just kind of, you, you fall, you stumble into them. But it says, count it all joy, brethren and sistren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something. It's producing patience. And it says, let patience actually have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. That word perfect means mature. It's a, that there's a maturing taking place here. There's a wholeness taking place here. There's a, there's a strengthening that's taking place here. And so when there's a fight going on in your life, when there's a challenge, when you're going through that valley like we talked about, right, which we've all been through valleys, you're going through it, just know that there's, there's a right and wrong way to fight this thing. And, I wanna, and that's what I want to look at from this story about Moses, because I think when we're going through the challenges of life, the trials of life, the difficulties and storms of life, there's three questions that we need to ask ourselves. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. But the first one is this, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? The first thing that Moses does as the battle ensues is it says he goes up onto the hilltop, right? Joshua, they, they select some soldiers to go fight, and Mo goes up on the side of this hilltop. Why? For a different perspective, for a little bit higher perspective, because when there's a battle going on and you're in the midst of life and all of life's challenges, you're just, you're just right here in it. And a lot of times it can seem overwhelming when you're just right here in it. But if you can allow God to cause you to see 
with Jesus from a perspective that God sees above the situation, above the storm. Wait, God, how can I see above the storm? Because there is a God who's above the storm. And this is how he sees. You know that every trial and unexpected thing that's happened to you has never been a surprise to God? You know that when you lost your job, lost your girlfriend, lost your money, car broke down, God was never up in heaven like, oh myself, what just happened? In all my foreknowledge, I never saw this happening. The car broke down. Angels, go down there and help the car. You know, like, God's not up there in heaven like, Peter, Gabriel, give me some Xanax. I'm stressed out. God's not... He's not up there freaking out because everything that's unexpected in our life, there's no surprises with God. He sees it all. And in fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that, that he's actually going to work all things together for good. Even, but I'm in a lot of bad right now, but I'm going to work it together for good. But God, I don't see a way out of this right now, but I'm going to work it together for good. But God, this is the worst. It's about to be the best. God has a way of working things together for good when we're in the unexpected trials of life. So the first question to ask, and when you're in the midst of the fight, and your fight right now may be related to your job, or your family, or a relationship, or finances, or maybe there's, there's been a diagnosis and you've got health issues, you might be in some kind of a fight right now now mentally, dealing with anxiety and struggles with your mental health, whatever the fight is that you're going through right now, know that you're not alone. And the first question you got to ask is, okay, what do you see? Because if your perspective stays down here in the midst of it, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel hopeless. You're going to feel like there's no way out of this thing. We're outnumbered. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be in this fight forever. Because that's what Amalek, the dweller in the valley, wants to do. He wants to keep you in the valley. But Mo, the first thing Mo says is, no, Amalek, I'm not letting you keep me in this valley. I'm coming up to this hilltop and I'm going to get a different perspective and I'm going to see from up here. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, we've been through the last year and a half, the craziest season in, in our generations that this world has ever seen. This pandemic, right? That has made me realize like, oh my gosh, what is going on? We've all gotten a little bit crazy. Can we just admit that? We've all had crazy days in the midst of this pandemic. And if there's anything that some of this pandemic has done and some of this season has done is maybe it's blurred our vision a little bit and caused us to not see God the way we're supposed to see him. Has your anxiety blurred your vision of the reality of a God who's always in control when life feels out of control? Has depression blurred your vision of a God who will never leave you and never forsake you? Has a lack of financial provision blurred your vision of Jehovah Jireh, our God who shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ? Has, has some of these seasons of, of just loneliness blurred your vision of a God who, who's always there, the friend that sticks closer than a brother? As sometimes we let our experiences preach to us more than we let the Bible preach to us. And it blurs your vision. Anybody else here wear contacts besides me? Or contacts, glasses? Okay. Probably close to 50% of us statistically. It's great. Welcome. You're good. Me too. 25 years, contacts. Recently, uh, my 17-year-old daughter, who's not here, my older daughter's here, so I'm not going to share any stories about her, but we can talk about your sister, right? Yeah, let's talk about her. Let's talk about her, right? My 17-year-old daughter, Ellie, she, this last year during the pandemic, learned how to drive, Yes, both my daughters now are driving in Los Angeles. I pray every single day because life's crazy on the freeways in Los Angeles. People are crazy. And I was training my daughter, Ellie, for probably three months. I've been doing drives with her and thought everything's cool until one day we're just driving through Venice, California. 
We're coming up to a, a sign, an intersection. I said, okay, honey, I need you to turn left at Venice Boulevard. She's like, okay. And so we're coming up, we're coming up, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. I'm in the car, Esther's in the car. We can see the big sign that says Venice Boulevard. We're getting closer, closer, and she's still not getting in the turn lane. I'm like, Ellie, I'm gonna have you turn left at Venice Boulevard. She goes, okay. And then I see her start to do this. And all of a sudden we're like 200 feet away, 150 feet away, 100 feet away. 50 feet away. I'm like, Ellie, Ellie. She goes, is this Venice Boulevard? I'm like, yes. And she takes a turn. I'm like, pull the car over right now. We have a problem. And I realized that day that I've been for three months letting a blind person (laughs) drive my car. And so I immediately made an appointment with the eye doctor. I had no idea. Call it bad parenting. I'm sure it's my fault, whatever. But I was like, Ellie, this is not okay. We've been driving for a long time now. You couldn't see that sign? She's like, you can see the sign? I'm like, yes. And Esther starts laughing. She goes, yes. And you know, you start doing this. What does that sign say? What does that sign say? It's next to a massive Walmart sign. She's like, Walmart. And I'm like, "This this is bad, you know? And so, but I remember her saying, she goes, I just thought everybody saw this way. (laughs) Aww. <laughs> right? It's so sad. Am I a terrible dad? I'm like totally roasting my daughter right now and she's not here. Um, so we take her to the eye doctor and I said, okay, honey, you're about to get your first pair of glasses at 17. You probably needed them when you were seven, but we just, <laughs> life, you know, four kids. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, and I said, I said to her, I said, your life's about to change. You're going to put these glasses on. You're going to notice the detail, the leaves on the trees and details that you've never seen your entire life. And she's like, whoa, okay. So she, she gets her glasses. And again, this is how she's seen for 17 years of her life. She puts her glasses on and she turns around and looks at me for the first time and she goes, whoa. And I was like, right? And she goes, you have way more wrinkles than I realized. And I was like, huh? She goes, you've got way more gray in your beard than I ever knew. And I was like, give me those glasses. You don't need those glasses. <laughs> give me those back. I don't like you seeing anymore. Go back to driving blind. Um, but you know, that's the reality of it sometimes. If you allow your experiences to preach at you and form and shape your mindset more than the truth of who God is, it's like kind of living life without contacts and you need them really bad. And just things get a little bit blurred. Your vision and perspective of God gets a little bit blurred where all of a sudden you think that God's mad at you, that God's making you feel guilty when that, that's not true to his character at all. Um, in fact, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. And So that guilt and shame you're feeling, that's not coming from God. God just wants to shower his goodness actually on your life. And even when God's trying to get us to change and and, and turn and this idea of repentance, which is another message for another day, but the Bible says in Romans 2, 4, that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the guilt of God that leads us to repentance. It's actually his, he's so good that you're like, oh my gosh, I want to, I'm starting to change because look how good he is. This is starting to impact my day-to-day life because look how good he is. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? And you might just take some intentional moments, even these couple days here, to think about the fight that you're facing, the storm that you're facing, the challenge you're facing in life, and say, okay, God, I've been seeing things hopelessly for too long now. I've been seeing things one way for too long now. In fact, and maybe it's similar to my story last night, I've been, I've been mad at my dad because I'm only seeing him one way. 
And, and I think it's the right way, but I'm seeing him one way. But God, if, if, if you need me to see him differently, if you need me to see this individual, if you need me to see my boss differently, if you need me to see my ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend differently, Lord, help me to see with it. Take me up a little bit higher to see how you see. Three questions got asked. Number one is what do you see? Number two is where do you sit? Where do you sit? See, as soon as Moses got up on that hilltop, it says he held up his hands in a posture of worship and surrender. And then in verse 12, it says, but Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on that stone. This is actually the opposite of what our human nature wants to do when there's chaos going on, trials going on. We want to be up and running around. I got to fix things. I got to do things. I got to make it better. How do I fix this? Ah, and we stress out. There's a, a battle going on. And Moses, the fearless leader, is sitting down. Lazy much, Mo? What's going on? Right? He's sitting down. They took a large stone and he sat upon it. You need to know this, and probably a lot of you do know this, but throughout the Bible, rocks and stones represent foundation, represents truth. In fact, Jesus likens himself to be the chief cornerstone, right? The stone that the builders rejected. Um, there's even a, there's a parable in Matthew chapter seven about a wise and a foolish man. And he says, the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the wind and rains came, it just quick was its devastation. I'm paraphrasing it, but he says, essentially there was a wise man who dug down and found a rock and built his house on a rock this firm foundation, so that when the wind and rain and storms and trials and challenges of life came, it was able to endure, right? Even Jesus had this moment with the disciples, remember when he's like, who do people say that I am? Like, some say John the Baptist, some say that prophet guy, Elijah, and some say, you know, this and that. He goes, well, who do you say that I am? And they said, you're, Simon's the one who speaks up and says, you're Christ." the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, this is all in Matthew chapter 16, by, by the way, if you want to read it later. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't get this from Googling me. You didn't get this from Wikipedia. You didn't get this from my IMDB reel. You didn't get this from, but this has been revealed to you from my Father in heaven. And now that you know who I am, you're going to know who you are. And I call you now Peter. And he changes his name. And he says, and on this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And that rock was the foundation, the truth, the revelation of who Jesus was. That moment you find out and discover who he is, is the moment you begin to discover who you really are. Simon didn't know that he was actually Peter. Simon didn't actually know that there was this Peter leader on the inside of him. He didn't know it until he recognized who Jesus was. Some of you are finding out this week the closeness and nearness of who Jesus is in your life, and it's causing you to find out something new about who you are. Because as soon as you recognize, oh my gosh, wait, he's my healer? Then you hear him say yes, and I call you healed. Wait, wait, but he's my redeemer? Yes, and I call you redeemed. 
But he's my, he can be my deliverer, yes, and I call you delivered. All of a sudden, when the more you attribute to who he is, the more you're going to find out about who you are. And this is that rock that we live our life from, this foundation that we're firmly planted on, this rock that we not only stand on, but in moments and times when life is crazy, we actually need to sit down on that rock. <laughs> because sitting is a place of rest and trusting and not striving. And in the fight, we want to do the opposite. I want to strive. I want to make it better. I want to fix it. I want to fix it. And some of you, and I'm not promoting laziness. I'm not promoting procrastination. But I'm saying from a spiritual standpoint, there can be a peace and a rest and a trust on the inside of you. That is worship. And you just like, life's crazy right now. I can't fix it. I can't fix it. I can call Shane, Kirsten, the Chip and Joanna of, of Boise. I can call them. They can fix anything. They can fix anything. But even they, can't, even they can't fix me sometimes. They can fix a lot of stuff. But no, there's some things that only God can fix. And the best thing you can do is be in a seated position. I'm, I'm almost done here, but I think, when I think about staying seated, I think about the fact that every time we go on a flight, my wife and I, my daughter, of course, just flew in yesterday. And um, I've always had an easy time on planes. I fall asleep on planes. Anybody else? Planes is like, is like aerial ambient to me. I don't know. I just like, I'm like, yes, uh, that's something about the sound. And I'm just like, I'm out. And, and my wife hates it. And Amory's okay if I tell the story because she's a little bit more on the stressed outside of, of, of plane rides. You know, is that okay that I'm sharing this, babe? Like I'm asking her now. Like she's like, no. <laughs> um, but anybody get a little bit stressed? Anytime there's turbulence, so there's some bumps going on, you know, Amory's there. She's like white knuckling, you know, the, just the, the armrest. And she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She's praying in tongues, you know, should have bought a Honda, should have drove a Honda, should have got a, <laughs> get out of, me out of the airplane, you know, and just, she gets, she gets a little stressed out. So much so, there's been times before where she's in the middle seat and I'm like up against the window, like sleeping. And then like a random stranger is on the aisle on the other side. And she, one of the times we're flying, the turbulence got so bad and she grabbed the leg of the wrong guy. Like I'm over here. <laughs> she grabbed this other guy's leg and he's like, oh, and she's like, sorry, you're not my husband. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but she gets a little bit stressed out. And that makes sense. You're like, 30,000 feet in the air, and this thing's now bumping now. How does this cylinder even fly? I don't know. It's crazy, right? But while these bumps are happening, when turbulence happens, I've been on hundreds of flights. Every time the captain gets on and kind of says the same little speech, we need everybody to take their seats because the captain knows the safest place for you and me when turbulence and craziness is happening is actually to sit down and trust the captain to do his job and get us through the turbulence. Can you imagine if it was the opposite? The captain's like, I need everybody up. We're going down. Everybody lean to the left. And we're like, we are running. No, lean to the right. You know, we're all trying to make the plane balance out. Like, can you imagine that? But no. We need you to sit down, buckle your seatbelt. The safest place for you during turbulence is to be seated. And the best place often, this probably isn't the message. When I said my message title, fight right, you're like, yeah, let's get the boxing gloves on. We're going to fight demons today. No, because somebody already fought demons for you. And somebody still is fighting demons for you. And so actually, I know this isn't the sermon some of you guys wanted, but the reality is, 
getting a seeing from a new higher perspective and being seated in a place where you know your position in Christ and you know who you are in Christ. Because when you have your identity seated on the foundation and truth of Jesus, out of identity proceeds authority. And sometimes we need to be reminded who I am so I can know how powerful Jesus is in me. And so where do you, what do you see? Where do you sit? And the last thing is this, and I'm done. Number three, who is your support? Who's your support? When the fights and the challenges and the trials and the struggles of life are going on, who is your support? Mo did not go up that mountain by himself. He took two guys with him, right? Two of his closest guys, Aaron and her. I always felt bad for her. What a name. Can you imagine, John, if your name was her? Like, what's his name? Her. No, no, him, her. No, him, her. <laughs> Get a little bit confusing. But it says when Moses' arms grow weary, his arms were up in the air, right? And Israel's winning when his arms are up. But as it goes down, Amalek's winning. And there's kind of, there's so many different elements to this. I could preach this five different ways, but I can't even get into the significance of that. But but it says that Aaron came on one side and supported his arms, and Hur came on the other side and supported his other arms. So he's got two friends that are supporting him in a season where you're weak. You know what I think, what bums me out a lot about the church sometimes is I think, sometimes we think that when you're a Christian, you can't admit when you're feeling weak. You can't admit when you just, you know what, I'm, I mean, yeah, I've got faith in God, but I'm just, I'm having a rough time right now. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking about walking around with a Debbie Downer kind of attitude, but I am talking about being real. We don't got to fake it. It's not like, cool, we're, we're at camp now. Time to fake it. Put on your Jesus face. Put on your Jesus face. Like, that's not the song. I don't know. It shouldn't be. Um, I think there's a space and a place and a time, and now more than ever in 2021, I think what the world wants is to see the church and not see a bunch of fake fake pretty people that just have their life all together. But to look at us and be like, oh no, those people are the real deal. They're broken just like everybody else is. But they, they, they seem to know something that we don't know and have this confidence or this love and this acceptance that we don't know. And that would be very attractive to the rest of the world. To see people that are willing to be like, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling right now. And you know what? You know when the best time is to tell somebody else you're struggling? When, when you're struggling. Don't, don't wait. I think, I think back in the day, maybe it's a generational thing. We'd, we'd have to wait till kind of after we get through it. And cool, now let me preach about my testimony. And let me talk to you about the struggles that God helped me get through. But the reality is I was out there in a boat by myself trying to do this thing by myself. That's not what the church is. That, that's not what the church is supposed to look like. We're part of the greatest support system on the planet. The church, the church, who is your support? Guess what? It's other broken people sitting next to you on your right and your left right now. It's other people who have issues. They might be different than your issues, but they got issues on your right and your left. I know I don't know 95% of you, but I do know this about all of us. We all got some issues and some struggles and, and not like used to. I'm talking like right now stuff that we're going through. And I love Moses' willingness to be like, guys, I can't hold my hands up anymore. And Aaron and her were there for him. Aaron, I'm almost done. I swear I'm almost done. Aaron in the original language means teacher. Because see, you need somebody on one side of you 
that's gonna teach and encourage. You need that person in your life that maybe on the spiritual walk and journey, maybe they're just a step or two ahead of you and just kind of helping you along, right? It's like when I first, I know I talked about running last night, but I actually run now on a regular basis. I'm part of a run club. But when I started with this run club a few years ago, it's a bunch of younger guys. It's all guys in their 20s, and here I'm in my 40s. But I love, there were a couple guys that the first few runs out, they're like, we're staying with you, Pastor. I'm like, okay, I'm like wheezing like a chain-smoking asthmatic out there. <laughs> you know, we're half a mile into the run. Like, how many we got left? Only five miles today. Only five miles today. God, I want to say a bad word to you right now, you know, and it's just... But they st- these guys stuck with me, and we need those people who are just going to be like, you know what, I'm going to help you. Let me, let me pace you a little bit. Let me just run alongside you a little bit. Let me just be there for you. And guess what? Not only that, but you're supposed to be an errand to somebody else. Sometimes we come into church and we're like, where's my errand? Pastor Shane, you need to be my errand. Where's Tracy? Tracy, can you be my errand? How about for a moment you think about who you can be an errand to? You mean I can be an errand? Yes, we're all supposed to be errands. You can, you can help teach and encourage and, and help somebody else along in what they're going through right now and, and lift up somebody else's arms, right? We need that errand in our life and then we need the her. Her in the original language means liberty. It means, it means freedom. You need, you need that person you can just be free with. I'm talking about you got that person that knows the good, bad, and the ugly, everything about you. You can just be free. You can just be you. You know what I'm saying? And they know the real you. And this, is a, this shouldn't be a large collection of people. This should be maybe just one or two people in your life, tops, right? I'm talking about just that close friend that is there for you, that knows the crazy side of you, that knows the ugly side of the side of you, you know, the you with no makeup on, you when you were just, you know, on, you know, went to Vegas for a weekend, did some dumb stuff. I mean, they know the you that, that just the you, you, right? We need the Aaron and the her, and guess what? You can be an Aaron and a her to somebody else. What do you see? Where do you sit? Who's your support? You are not called to go through these battles alone. You are not called to go through these trials alone. Don't you, in just some false sense of pride, think, well, I got this me and Jesus. Here we go. I'm just going to go through it. No, you, you've got the church around you. You are surrendered to him, but supported by each other. We need the vertical and the horizontal relationships going on here. And, and that's what we find in community. And so I'm just hoping, this is, this is my, I know this sermon's kind of taking a weird turn, but this is my encouragement to you this afternoon. I don't even know what everybody's doing this afternoon, but... If something's resonating in you and you're like, man, I need to talk to somebody about what I'm going through today. Do it. Don't, don't, don't say, okay, I'm going to do it by the end of August. No. <laughs> or don't even do it till the end of the week. Give yourself to this afternoon. Before tonight's service, just challenge yourself right now. I need to talk to somebody. Because guess what? There's somebody in your cabin, in your room probably, that's going through something similar or went through something similar. And you think you're all alone, but you ain't alone right? We're all in this together. Force yourself to, even if it feels awkward, you know what, man, I need to, God's been talking to me about that message this morning. I need to, I need to tell, share something. I'm going through something right now. I just, I need to tell somebody. Can I tell you? Yes. Let me be an Aaron for you. Let me be a her for you. I'll lift up your hands because I know you do the same for me. We're going to lift up each other's hands in this season. Man, when we have that kind of strength and that kind of community, that's attractive, I think, to the rest of the world. They're going to be like, I want to be a part of this community. I want to be with those people, man. They help each other out. They're not perfect. 
but they help each other out. Let's pray. Everybody's heads bowed. Jesus, we just thank you so much for talking to us today and in these moments we have. God, I just thank you that you are so present with us in every season. Lord, that you have not called any of us to dwell in a valley, but we're gonna go through them. And God, as we go through them, we fear no evil because you're with us. You go before us, you come behind us, you're all around us. Jesus, we thank you for the strength that you are in our life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today to maybe see from a different perspective, to get up on that hilltop and see that problem, that trial, that challenge with a little bit different perspective. God, we'd help us to remember where we're seated, our position in you, our firm foundation in you, resting, trusting, believing that the battle belongs to the Lord. And God, help us to see who our support is in our life as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're, you're here today and maybe you're, you, you are, you're facing a challenge. And for all I know, it might be the majority of this room. I, I have no idea. But if I just want to, before we go into a time, maybe singing a, a worship song together, I, I just want to pray for you and what you're facing right now. Would you just raise your hand if you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going through a fight right now. You talk about fight, right? I'm going, there's a fight happening. Yeah. Maybe job related, health related, family related, relationship related. I, might be trying to figure out what the heck is going on in your life and your future and just the fight that's happening on the inside. God, I thank you. You see every hand today. You know every story and every situation. And God, I thank you that you don't rank them as best to worst, Lord. For all of us, we're in that fight. It feels like the worst right now. It feels like the worst. But Jesus, you endured a fight for us. You went before us and endured the cross. Jesus, we know the battle belongs to you. God, even as Moses sat on that hillside and grew a little bit weary, there was one person in that story that never grew weary, and that's Joshua. He was down fighting the whole time, never took a break, never sat down, because Joshua represents Jesus who fights for us in the valley. God, I thank you. We've got a Joshua. We've got a Jesus who's fighting for us in every valley that we're facing. God, you are working on our behalf. You are with us. God, you are strengthening us through this season. Oh, God, we're, we've been praying prayers like, God, get me out of this trial. And what we should be praying is, Lord, what can I get out of this trial? Lord, I thank you. We're getting something out of this trial. We're growing out of this trial. We're enduring in this trial. We're being strengthened in this time. So God, I just pray for that endurance. I pray for that strength that we need. I pray, God, that you continue to help us through all these seasons and challenges we have. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.